And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We are with Anuradal Dial Gulati. We're talking about her latest book, of course, which is called Heal Your Ancestral Roots. We're talking about you and your ability. Clinical depression. What is that, Anu? I think we can think of depression as a deep disconnection from ourselves. And the feeling that things are not going to get better, and also a tremendous feeling of loss, of loss of maybe something that you want, something that you didn't have or couldn't have. It's often related to loss and disconnection. In a big way, too, isn't it? Yes, yes. Most people have difficult times handling problems. How do you get them to calm down and handle these things? Well, you know, the framework that I use is is called home, and it's about coming home to yourself. And the first piece of that is honoring your ancestors, what you came from. And the second piece of that is observing your emotions, because your emotions are a compass telling you where that disconnection lives. And another very important piece of this whole process is to magnify your spiritual connection. We are connected to something bigger than ourselves. And if we can restore that connection, that also helps us. And the last is to engage with Mother Earth because our disconnection from Earth is also affecting us. If you think of something that's bothering you and you go for a walk out in nature or you sit in nature, you start to feel better. That's because the earth absorbs our, our emotions, our toxic emotions, our negative emotions. So just reconnecting with Mother Nature also heals us. So there's all of these processes that bring you home. And home is where you, it's, from where we interact out into the world and with all the relationships we're in. You talked about the three episodes in the hospital that kind of led you into this field. What led you to write the book? I didn't really plan to write a book. What happened is every time I would go for the ancestral healing workshops, the family constellation weekends, They were pretty intense, and I would come back, and I would write and write and write. And I think that was my way of processing. I came from India. I came to the U.S., and there were many things that were different, things that I didn't really understand, but I never had the words for them. I never had the language, the framework. But after going for two years of family constellation training, I started to be able to put in words what I was trying to understand all those years. And that's how the book emerged, emerged from that process of finally seeing the gears shifting and the framework of the way in which I've been raised, the practices, all of that started to make sense. And that's how the book came about. Let's start with some calls. Let's go to Cynthia, east of the Rockies in Massachusetts, your neck of the woods, uh, Anu. Go ahead, Cynthia. Hi. Hi there. Thank you. Um, I basically just want to get a feel for what my ancestors uh, are looking for for me. 
I am very ambitious, very determined. Uh, I do a lot of projects. I do take walks. That's uh, when I feel uh, intense in my emotions. That That's when I take my walks, and I feel a lot of freedom in doing that. That's wonderful. So you have actually found a way to connect and heal through nature. Yes. And, you know, when you talk about ambition and determination, that's that's kind of a fiery process. And if you feel, do you feel like all of that is fulfilled and it's taken you where you want to go? Uh, it is something that I have to uh, to strive for because I've had many disabilities from the day I was born. So it's called survival, and determination is to strive to be better. You know, my father always said, keep up with your twin sister. And I said, I'm trying, you know, and uh, basically that's how I do things is to strive forward and pursue as much as I can pursue, but at even keel, you know, I don't try to push myself too hard, but um, sometimes uh, it does take a toll, so I have to rest a little bit longer, but then I just strive even harder the next day or the next couple of days later. She sounds like she has her act together, Anu. Yes, and, you know, uh, Cynthia, if you think about striving and that it sort of tires you, uh, the flower essence for that is elm, for feeling overwhelmed, and the feeling that you have to keep striving, and just reexamining what that message is and how it affects you. And we all arrive at places in our life where we shift from ambition to meaning and purpose, and as we make that shift, the striving starts to shift and transform into more of service and surrender, and it becomes a little easier. It becomes a little softer. And so if you wish, you can explore that and see how that, you know, calls to you. And there's no, there's no hard and fast. I'm not, you know, saying this is something you have to do, but it's something you can invite yourself to explore and see how it calls to you. Anu, do you deal with the conscious state at all when you deal with this? Well, the subconscious is making its presence felt in the conscious, you know, response system. It might be automatic, but that's the part we are conscious of. So I don't, I, you know, to me the person is just whole. It's not like I I see how the subconscious is sort of stalking us and making its presence felt, but I'm always seeing how it's making its presence visible, and that's in the conscious realm. We take text and tweets for you, Anu. Tom, what do you have for us? Anu, this is from Sharon in Connecticut. What can I do with a thing that happened and took my power five years ago, and I think about it every day? I can't get rid of it. Wow. Well, the first thing I would suggest is white chestnut flower essence, because when we have repetitive thoughts, That's the essence that calms the mind. The white chestnut flower essence is a great one for that. And if something happened to you and you're not able to get over it, I would suggest honeysuckle because honeysuckle, like, helps us release the memories of the past that are sort of hanging on to us. And if it was a traumatic event, 
you could try a combination flower essence, which is called post-trauma stabilizer. And it actually does what it does. It just calms us down. Ah. Tell me more about the altar that you mentioned earlier. What do you put on it? You know, there's two kinds of altars, and I talk about them in my book, actually. I talk about primarily the ancestral altar, because in many traditions, Native American traditions and South America, there were ancestral altars. And Alberto Violdo uh, is a medical anthropologist, and he felt that, you know, in the Western tradition, we see ancestral altars as a way of worshiping the ancestors. But he says, you know, it's not about worshiping your ancestors. The altar is another way of anchoring the energy of the ancestors. And he said in the South America tradition, they had a saying was like, it's better to know where your ancestors are than to have them running amok and ruining your life. So the ancestral altar is not worshiping. Uh, it's not worshiping our ancestors. We're not praying to them. We're praying for them, for the evolution of their souls, and that's one way of allowing their energies not to hang around us anymore. It lifts that energy. However, you choose to do it. You may put photographs. You may just get something from nature, and express. You know, this is like I'm just honoring. You, I understand your life might have been really challenging, but hope you're at peace somewhere. Anu, what do you think of prayer? I think prayer is really key, George. Prayer is what connects us to something invisible, something bigger than us, and we can pray and ask for support. And there's so many studies that show that prayer helps. So I think prayer is something powerful you can do for yourself. If you worry about someone, you can pray for them. It's just immensely powerful and healing. It's one of the things that gives us the capacity to handle life's challenges. Do you have a daily ritual or, or practices? I do, and, you know, daily prayers and contemplation are part of my daily practice. I find, like, it keeps me centered and grounded and it allows me to be on an even keel. Most of the time, I, I also lose it like everybody else. But most of the time, it, it's expanded my capacity to deal with challenge. That's what I say it does. Why are our ancestors so important in this key thing? Our ancestors, we are the part of our ancestors that lives on. If you think about it, there are 252 mothers and fathers in seven generations that needed to have lived for you to be here today. So if we are the part of them that lives on, we are the part that can make amends. So if there's something unresolved in the lineage, we take on pieces of what is unresolved and try to heal it. And when we heal it, we heal not just ourselves, but we heal those who came before us. And don't forget, our actions on this earth plane affect seven generations to come. So when we take action to heal ourselves, we heal seven generations to come. And that's why this work becomes important. 
Let's go to Brendan in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brendan. Thank you, George and uh, Anuradha. Uh, namaste. And um, I was curious because I've been delving into omniism and the truth of Hinduism and Christianity and all faiths. And so that made me really curious of, is there any connection to India with these uh, experiences and knowledge that you have? And also, uh, if you don't want to touch on that, I was mainly calling because what advice do you have for families with are dealing with generations of suicide or addiction or both? You know, um, thank you for all of your questions. And just to go to the first one, um, if you move beyond religion, you'll find that the journey of the spirit, the spiritual awakening, is similar across traditions. And that is what I realized when we start on the healing journey, the insights and the aha moments that you get, they are similar across all religions in the mystical traditions. Um, Going back to your question of suicide, it's, it's just, you know, start the practice of honoring your ancestors. Just start that practice and see how that provides comfort and soothing. Because that is a key part of healing. All of the suicide is like an unresolved energy. And if I was to go back and ask you to explore if this is a pattern, like what were the what were the emotions or events that led up to this? What was the interaction with the mother, father? Those are the things that start to play out. And I would really urge you to explore those areas if you can and see the pattern across generations. Because, Brendan, one of the things that happens when there's trauma in a family, families shut down in the expression of love. It's not that love goes away. It's the expression of that love that goes away. And then this creates this feeling of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not wanted. I can't cope. So go back to exploring that. Does that make sense? The pain of a suicide victim must be intense. It is really intense. What they go through, thinking about it. And, and, and going through with it, or even attempting it. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, since these are the chapters that have happened before you, I think just making an ancestral altar and praying for all of those who have gone will start to shift the pain you're carrying, the sadness that you're carrying. When that starts, the grief will never go away. But by honoring it, you open the pathway to moving forward, to healing. Brendan, thanks for your call. Let's go to Evelyn in North Carolina. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ev. Go ahead. Hi. Um, about my husband and I retired last year and uh, after 40-some years of working, and we had a wonderful year. But he announced to me five weeks ago that none of this is enough. He wants to go to turkey to work with the earthquake victims which i think is wonderful it's noble but in the meantime in addition to that he said he does not love me anymore and he'd like to have more relationships 
with other women and see what else is out there for him. How do I heal that? I feel like there's just something in my past that has... um, How long were you married of? 37 years. 37 years. Any kids? Two kids, two adult kids. Everybody's very angry. The anger is just out of control. What's he going through, Anu? What kind of change in his, his life? His anger is going out of control. Evelyn, if there is a way to explore what that is, but I, I would ask you to focus on yourself and take care of yourself because that's where the change is going to really come from. And start to look at who does this happen to before in your family and where is this coming from? Probably what? coming from him deep down inside. There's something wrong. Yes, and look back at your relationship with him and the things that you, where you might have been giving away your power and start to go back into that space of reclaiming. And one of the essences that will help you right now is holly and wild oat. Wild oat will give you direction and holly will allow you to think through the fog of the pain. It will it will provide support at this at this time. I would also suggest walnut because this is a big time of transition given what is happening. So take these three essences and start to notice the inner guidance that is coming to you about what you need to do going forward because that's what you need to tap into. What is the path for you? How are you going to deal with the situation? Because you're the one closest on the ground to it. And tapping into your internal guidance will give you the strength to face it and decide what you need to do. Anna, where do people get your book? The book is available wherever books are sold, at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and my publisher, Inner Traditions. And your websites we have linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Thank you. HelioAncestralRoots.com. People can make appointments with you if they want through your website? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. All right. We're going to come back in just a moment on Coast to Coast AM and take final phone calls on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Anu is with us. Uh, Anu, there is an old song called Don't Worry, Be Happy. How important is happiness in the scheme of things here? I think if we can be happy, it, it you know keeps us healthy. It allows us to it allows us to shift. I I want to just say, George, ancestral healing is releasing the feeling that you're a victim of what came before you, and that's easier said than done. Sure, but just releasing that feeling of being a victim gives you the power to live your life because you are then responsible for whatever you want, whatever you want to accomplish. It's coming out of you. You know, there's an African proverb that says, when you cut your chains, you free yourself. When you cut your roots, you die. And I think Hmm. this is the tightrope that we have to walk. We honor those who came before us. 
and the trauma they faced and how it impacted them and how it flows down to us, whether we like it or we don't like it. But those chapters were already over before we were born. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to Cheryl in Washburn, Missouri. Welcome to the program. Cheryl, how's the weather out your way? Hey, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's going to be 80 tomorrow, and it's pretty warm. It was rain, you know, so it's cool beans. And hey, George. Hi there. Hi. And I'm, I'm wondering, um, how does birth order affect the regard for a child and how much that influence is going to have on a child's life? How does this affect the child, Anu? Uh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat the question? I couldn't quite hear it. That, hi, Cheryl. Hey, hey. Um, the birth order of a child, like the firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, fifthborn, um, how does that affect um, a child in regards to the birth order? Birth order. How does the birth order of a child affect okay. any of this? Uh, yeah. It, that's a great question, Cheryl. And actually, older children tend to be the ones who take on certain pieces of unresolved uh, issues when it comes to perhaps the loss of a parent. If a parent leaves or a parent dies, it's the eldest that takes on certain responsibilities. And that then affects all of their relationships. And they try to step into this vacuum but it's, it's so much bigger than what they actually are equipped to hold. And that then plays out in all of their dynamics. Now, if the oldest in the birth order doesn't take on that responsibility, then someone else in the birth order will take that on because there will be this vacuum that then causes some other child to take it on. But birth order is important, isn't it? It's very important. It's very important because birth order, you know, there's a sort of implicit expectation in the birth order when you're born in that. You take on the expectations of that birth order. Text and tweets. Tom, what do you have for Anu? Anu, Carrie in Savannah, Georgia, would like to know if there's a simple way to change a not-so-great pattern in your life, such as eating, smoking, or habits like that. That's always a hard one to change because it's a response to stress. Habits are tough to change, too. And habits are tough to change, and those are responses to stress. And it's looking at where the stress is coming from. One of the ones that you can use to change them is white chestnut and cherry plum. Those are habits that, those are essences that support changes in habits. But a deeper process would be to reconnect with yourself. And I think one of the cheapest and most effective ways to do this is through journaling, just simply journaling. And I would even recommend journaling to a higher power, like to your future self or to the universe or somebody who you feel like supports you even you know, depending on your faith, it could be somewhere there. But journaling is a way of allowing the emotions that are percolating inside of us and never get a chance to express themselves. When they go out on paper, it shifts the energy. Emotion, we could think of it as energy in motion. It needs a place to go. 
First-time caller, Eric in Katy, Texas. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today, George? Great, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, I was uh, earlier. I, I was getting off. I just got off work, and I jumped in the car, and I and I heard Miss Anir talking about uh, uh, flower essences and essential oils and stuff. Yeah, I have uh, my my family. We have pretty much stopped taking uh, you know like over the counter even prescription pharmaceuticals because of the um, the effectiveness of of the uh, essential oils. Tell us more about these oils, Anu. Well, Anu. Yeah, sorry. So, he, he, um, Eric, you said you stopped taking the essential. You st- you're taking essential oils, and they work. I mean, that's awesome. That's great. They work a lot on the topical level, and they work at the limbic brain, where they also create calm. I think flower essences are just different because if there are emotions, they tend to target them. They're more nuanced. But if essential oils are working for you, that's awesome. That's great. How do you know what works for what issue? So it depends on what the issue is and what the emotion is. Depending on the emotion, the flower essence will work for that. I think essential oils just work more broadly because they're working more at, you know, just calming the... The, the brain calming, reducing the stress, and flower essences are reconnecting you with yourself. They're acting as like bringing you back to the compass part of your emotions. What are your emotions telling you? Where are they taking you? And that's where they're they're different. You spell that out in your book, don't you? Yes, yes. That's like a guide for people. Let's go to yeah, Sue. But I, I, I want to say, Eric, if you've tried essential oils, try flower essences and see what, you know, how you feel about them. Sue in North Carolina. Go ahead, Susan. Yes, hello. Hi, George. Hi, everybody. Hi there. Uh, hi. Yes. Um, I have reoccurring dreams, nightmares about mostly my mother and father passed away 50 years ago. Then I lost my brother 10 years ago. But I have reoccurring dreams and nightmares about these relatives, and I wake up very disturbed. And I don't know why um, in my mind wants to keep going back and, um, and dreaming about my relatives, but it's, I wake up feeling very disturbed. How does she overcome that, Anu? Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that, Susan. That's really hard. I think what you want to do is to actually create an altar for your relatives. They're coming in your dream, your mother, your father, your brother. Bring it into your daily life. Create an altar for them. Take, a, you know, take any space, not in your bedroom, outside of your bedroom, in a hallway, living room, anywhere. Make sure it's not on the floor, but elevated off of the floor and you can place a cloth on it, any kind of cloth that calls to you. Place images of them. And then place objects that will lift the energy of that space. Flowers to absorb energy. Um, you can use, you know, a little offering of incense if you like. Um, anchor that space with maybe words that express gratitude, um, hope, 
harmony and just stop at your altar and allow that to nourish you, allow that to be a place where you express your grief. Light a candle. That will start to shift the energy because your ancestors are trying to reach out to you through the dreams, but if you start to bring it out more intentionally, I think you might find a shift over there. And it will make you feel much more calmer and much more peaceful because that's what my clients say. When they start that practice, it shifts how they feel. Anu, do you have to be particularly religious or spiritual for any of this to work? I don't think so because, you know, the practice of honoring ancestors exists all over the world, except in North America, but it exists everywhere. We have All Souls Day in Europe. We have the Festival of Samhain. You know, so it's been something that existed all over the world. It really does. I want to thank you for being on the program, Keep in Touch, and how do people get your book, Heal Your Ancestral Roots? On anywhere where books are sold, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Inner Traditions, my publisher, and anywhere where books are sold. Thank you so much, George. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Great advice to a lot of people. Thank you very much. For Michael Cosio, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galanti, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Ladisur, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, George Knapp, Ian Punnett. I'm George Norrie. Somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.